Welcome to the Kona Edge, where you'll discover what the best triathletes in the world do to give them the edge. Welcome on to yet another edition of the Kona Edge. I'm Brad Brown. Awesome to be with you. And uh, yeah, going to be pretty cool sharing our next guest story with you today as well. We're going to be heading to Sydney in Australia to find out a little bit more about Wayne Matthews. But uh, before we get into that chat, I, I've never done this on the podcast before, but I think I need to. And uh, I've been following this gentleman's journey for uh, a while now. Uh, online, we've never met. Uh, we've, funnily enough, never interacted. But uh, I just absolutely love uh, his spirit. And, and what he's doing for Ironman and, and triathlon just generally he is such an inspiration and just a couple of weeks ago at Ironman Wisconsin Dal Finney finished his first Ironman and uh, interesting story he's had two failed attempts the previous years uh, at Wisconsin ended up missing cutoffs but came back kept on getting up each time after one of those uh, DNFs and came back and finished it. Third time's a charm. So, Dell, I don't know if you listen to the podcast. Uh, I just wanted to put it out there. If you if you follow Dell's journey, uh, yeah, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. If you don't, check him out on Facebook. He is incredible. So, congratulations uh, from me to you, from someone who's been there, who uh, also started out the sport uh, as a, as a pretty heavy guy. And uh, yeah, just absolutely love what it's done for my life. And I know you feel exactly the same way about Iron Man Dell. So uh, congratulations uh, once again from me. Can't wait to see what you do uh, in 2018 because I know that once the bug has bitten and you've experienced that uh, feeling as you run down the red carpet, you'll be back for more. So congratulations once again. Keep inspiring everybody as much as you do. Uh, I think you're an absolute legend. So virtual fist pump for you congratulations mate let's get straight into today's podcast with Wayne Matthews Wayne welcome on to the Cone Edge thank you for having me no no worries at all uh, Wayne you you live in Sydney but you you're not uh, originally from Australia you originally from the UK what took you to to uh, Australia um, yeah, I, I kind of um, grew up being quite active and um, was always kind of a bit itchy in terms of wanting to travel around a lot. And um, yeah, I grew up being a RA for about 10, 15 years, went to university in America for a while on a running scholarship and just wanted to kind of spread my wings a bit and kind of live somewhere with a, a lifestyle that kind of suited uh, me a bit better, something outdoorsy and with better weather. So my wife and I upped and moved to Sydney in 2011. And you haven't looked back since. I mean, Sydney's an incredible city, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. You know, for for somebody who's active and especially into to triathlon, it has everything you need here. So, um, yeah, we're we're very blessed to kind of be able to to live here. And yeah, we don't get back to the UK too much. Um, our family generally comes over here to see us. It's uh, and Sydney's an incredible city. There's a quite a quite a big triathlon scene in, in Sydney I mean you talk about just the lifestyle and how conducive it is to being outdoors but from a from a big city perspective it's incredible how many triathletes are based there yeah it's it's kind of um still a growing sport I think I mean um when I was in the UK running was such a big scene triathlon wasn't um really conducive to the weather there but in sydney it's just huge I mean there's there's triathlon clubs everywhere there's races um you know you've obviously got the fantastic training landscape so it's easy to swim bike and run really and um yeah it just keeps growing and growing and um it's it's a fantastic community to be part of here yeah absolutely when you mentioned you came from a running background let, let's go back to that and, and and to where it all started were you always an active kid growing up 
Yeah, I mean, I was really into team sports when I was really young. I mean, I, I kind of joined uh, a local football team when I was kind of, you know, five, six years old. And I always kind of grew up dreaming that I was going to be a football player playing in the Premier League. And that's kind of all I wanted to do. And then when I was in high school, my, my PE teacher kind of got us football guys to kind of go and do some run races as part of our training. And I ended up being pretty good at it and decided that I was going to kind of stick with that once I started getting a bit of success. Awesome. And and distance-wise, as a youngster, I mean, were you were you good on the, the short, faster stuff, or was it the slightly longer, middle-distance stuff as a, as a kid? Yeah, I, I kind of started to excel at cross-country more than anything. I definitely was kind of not very quick over a short distance, and, um, you know, I was lucky that I got hooked up with a really good coach when I was young who kind of was uh, very much looking after us in terms of the amount of training we did and had us doing lots of drills, doing real short races, even though it kind of was obvious that, you know, we were more endurance based and, um, yeah, I was definitely running a lot of 800s and 1500 meters, even though kind of when I eventually matured, I did a lot more kind of running over the 5,000 and 10,000 distance. You, do, do you miss the dynamics of, of team sport? I mean, I was rubbish when it came to team sports, also played a bit of football and, and rugby growing up, but, uh, I just loved being in, in that team environment. Is that something you miss? I, I kind of do, but, um, I, I had that when I was running, um, and and doing triathlon you know we've got a real good uh, training community and stuff here so i still find i get that and although i enjoyed that growing up i kind of i i i didn't really enjoy kind of uh i guess giving up some of the the control of what i wanted to do on other people i really enjoyed kind of taking responsibility for what i was doing and being independent and and that kind of drew me to running more than anything else you you talk about realizing you you had some some potential in that as well as, as a youngster. Were you always competitive, or was that come with with competing? Did you did you hate losing from an early age? No, I mean I think if even if you talk to anybody um, now, even you know with the level that I compete at in triathlon, I'm I'm a very relaxed sort of laid back guy, and um, I'm not overtly competitive or or, or outgoing in that sense. But um, you know I'm I'm very competitive with myself and I like to challenge myself so kind of growing up it was all about you know doing better and moving to kind of the next thing was always the thing I was looking for not necessarily to be competitive with anyone else but to kind of you know set myself goals and achieve something. The the decision to go and and run in the States on on a scholarship tell us a little bit about how that came about and and what the the sort of thinking behind it and some of the the sort of aspirations around it were. Uh, I mean, I mean, back in the time that I was, it was still getting, I guess, kind of big. Like I, I, I finished um, kind of school and was preparing to go around 2000 and um, a few athletes in the UK had been out and kind of gone through the experience. And there was lots of mixed messages that, you know, if you go out to America, they really smash you and make you do loads of volume and all this sort of stuff. But I was just keen to really do something different to kind of get an education while I was able to kind of focus on my, my running as well. And I was lucky that kind of the the kind of two years before I went to university, I started to get some really good success in the UK at the national championship races. And I was kind of getting noticed a little bit more. So um, I had a few offers to go out and I just thought I had to give it a go. And at the end of the day, I could always come back if, if things didn't work out. And you, you talk about getting some success. I, I, I'm looking at some of your, your, your PBs with regards to the, the different distances. I mean, you've got a 30, 29, 10K time, uh, 3K of 8.16, 3,000 steeplechase, 8.49. You're pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, 
I, I guess I got my scholarship more off the back of my cross-country running. Running, I'd kind of uh, excelled more and got more success in the cross-country. And in the UK, cross-country was pretty um, uh, pretty competitive and, and quite a, a, a kind of well-respected thing. And, and when you go out to the States in the US, it's, it's a really big competition out there, the NCAAs, and, you know, there's a big team focus as well. So they really like you to be quite good at cross-country. So I think that really kind of helped me helped me get out there but it was definitely like a, a period of just lots and lots of time to put into the the speed stuff to get quicker over things like 5000 and the 3000 steeplechase because I wasn't you know naturally very quick so I had to kind of work at that quite a bit do you think that having that background has really helped your 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 triathlon career now i mean often you'll hear people say that you can't run a fast marathon unless you can run a fast 10k do you think do you think that is true in your case uh, I'm, I'm a massive fan of that and you know uh, I also do some triathlon coaching now and you know uh, a, a big part of the the thing I think that people focus on is they're, they're not necessarily yeah looking across the whole board of stuff you know if you want to I do believe that if you want to run a quick half marathon you need to be faster at 10k and that that translates definitely into the efficiency of running for a longer period of time so I was definitely you know I, I knew that I was, you know, never going to be a, a fifteen hundred meter or a three thousand meter runner, but I always did them to make me faster for the for the longer events. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk talk to me about the the switch over to to triathlon. That uh, th- that transition. How did that come about? When did you start thinking triathlon might be a viable option? Uh, well, when we decided to move to Australia, um, I, I definitely knew it was time for a different challenge. I'd kind of run for about fifteen years and done it quite to a high level and you know it was taking up a lot of my time and I just kind of got a little bit stagnant with the challenges and I felt like I needed something new to challenge myself and that was when I started thinking about triathlon I had a few friends in the running community in the UK who did a bit themselves and had done a few Ironmans and stuff so I just kind of once or twice a week in the six months leading up to before I moved to Australia just kind of jumped in then with some training sessions bought a bike and rode to work and just started to kind of dip my feet in it a little bit so that when I got out here, I could kind of maybe transition into it and um, and give that a go. And the, the first week I moved to Australia, I joined the local triathlon club, and I've been there ever since. Wow! And the, the transition has been pretty pretty smooth for you. Have, <clears throat> have you struggled, or have you found it quite easy to adapt to to three sports as opposed to one? Um, it was difficult to start with. I mean, I was clearly a runner. You know, I'm like six foot one, and I was, you know, when I was coming over to Australia, I was like sixty four kilos, and I was, you know, I was not a swimmer, and I wasn't strong, so the bike was quite difficult. Um, so I really had to kind of flip everything I was doing and decide that I had to kind of put the running on a back seat and really focus on using my time to to swim and bike and you know, not worry about how much running training I was doing and, and just kind of keep that ticking over as best I could while I tried to kind of, you know, make make some gains in the other areas. Has it been uh, uh, almost like a, a renewal for you? I mean, how, how have you coped with when you compete at the top level of a certain sport for a long time? It's easy to get burnt out. Has it has this really just sort of reignited your love for for sport and being active again? Did you get to that point just in the running where you thought, you know what, I've had enough of this. I, I don't know if I want to keep doing this. Oh, completely. And I think if I stayed in the UK, I'm not sure what I would be doing now. But yeah, it kind of I got to the point where you know running 120 k's a week was was really putting a a, a kind of toll on my body, and I didn't think that my body was going to be able to handle that too much longer. So the you know introducing 
triathlon was great for a renewal of motivation but also the training is a lot more conducive to my body because i run a lot less and i found that you know i've i've been able to really uh i guess um challenge my body a lot more and i still feel like i've got a, a lot more to give you know even even you know five years on when i'm a little bit older i feel a lot kind of stronger and fitter than i was back then you know five years ago mm. Wait, looking at at when you were racing top level running wise, were you doing much cross training, or was was everything run specific? I mean, did you do any stuff in the water? Did you do anything on the bike back then? Whether it's indoor or or or, or, or outdoor, doesn't doesn't really matter. Was was that ever on the radar, or, or not really? It kind of went through a transition as I kind of was coached by different people. So initially. When I was younger, I didn't. It was all about running. Um, and then when I moved to the States, they were very hot on um, strength and conditioning. So I started to implement a lot of strength and conditioning into my training. Um, and then also when we were in the, the kind of longer phases of training, we'd kind of have periods where we'd also, he'd also get us in the pool as well to do a little bit of um, either water running or easy swimming to kind of help our bodies, you know, recover a little bit as well. And then I kind of took all those things and, when I when I left university and went back to the UK to continue running, I kind of kept all those things in my program because I found that you know the strength and conditioning and alternate methods of training were were kind of helping me just as much as all the running. And it's incredible how much that strength and conditioning can can help you in, in triathlon uh, as well. Uh, I mean that's something that I think a lot of people neglect, and and it, it's vitally important. Yeah, I mean, the longer distance you go, especially like, I mean, you've, you've got to look at it from an athlete's perspective or as a coach now and say like it's efficiency over a long period of time. And, and the first thing to go when you are not strong is your, your technique and that's all the efficiency of your whole race. So, yeah, implementing the strength and conditioning so you can really get the best out of, um, uh, you know, being efficient the whole day makes such a huge difference um, uh, to your overall, you know, result. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, you've arrived in Australia a week down the line. You've joined the triathlon club. When did when did Ironman register as a? You know what? I want to do this. Yeah, it was kind of um, in 2012. I guess was my first full triathlon season. I was kind of doing Olympics and sprints. Um, I, a few of my friends from the club had turned up to um, Ironman Australia in Port Macquarie to do the first Ironman, and we kind of took a road trip to watch them. Um, and I thought it was crazy. Like I've, I've never really even enjoyed long distance running. I like the 5k, the 10k, you know, I hated doing long runs and stuff like that. And the thought of doing a marathon just, you know, was just ridiculous to me. And then I saw these guys doing, you know, a swim, a bike and then running a marathon. I thought they were crazy. And then I watched it and I just thought it was the most inspiring thing I'd ever seen. And after the race, I just, I spoke to the guy, uh, uh, Bruce Thomas, who was, who was starting to coach me. And I just said, I really want to do that next year. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, and it kind of went from there. How funny is that? I, I mean, I'm sure you get it so often too, where you'll chat to somebody and you talk to them about doing an Ironman. You say, you do Ironman. They go, oh, you're crazy. I could never do that. But as like you say, as soon as someone goes to watch a race, it's, I don't know what happens. It must be something in the, in the atmosphere around an Ironman race that people just get sucked in and, 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 and that's sort of where, where the bug bites. I love that story. And, and I think it happens to, to so many of us. Mm, and I, yeah, I, I think that's, you know, why I still love the, the 70.3s and the Ironmans because it's not just about the training and about the race. It's about the whole community and how, you know, when, you, when you're at a race, you get a real good vibe there because everyone's, you know, just enjoying themselves and having a go and trying to challenge themselves. Talk to me about the, the difference in preparing for a 70.3 or an Ironman as opposed to 
a 10,000 meters uh, or, or a 10K where, where you just want to go and smash it and it's, it's 30, 31 minutes and you're done. Uh, it's, it's not just different from a training perspective, but very different from a mindset perspective too. Yeah, I mean, obviously with, with the triathlon, I mean, especially if you want to achieve at the top level, my, my frequency of training is a lot more. So um, I'm obviously training twice a day throughout the week and with work and family and stuff, it, it's quite uh, it's quite a time commitment, which is which is one of the biggest things. So I find, you know, you really have to have a, a very good attitude and a mental mindset towards how you're approaching your training because it's hard to be switched on you know, 100% for every session, twice a day, seven days a week throughout the four or five month builder. Um, whereas running, because the duration was so much shorter and the training sessions were, you had a lot more time between to recover and refocus for things. Um, so yeah, they, they both have their challenges, but, um, I guess that's why people sign up to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it was easy, everyone would would have an Ironman medal. Uh, let's talk about the exactly the, the the time management side of it. it. It's something that pops up very often here on the Kona Edge with with people who listen to the podcast. I get emails literally every single day uh, with people struggling with that. I'm sure as a coach, uh, you you get asked very similar questions as well. What advice would you have for for someone with regards to getting that balance right? Or is it a case of you know what being sort of totally out of kilter is 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 normal in in Ironman? What are your thoughts? Uh, I like to talk to my athletes uh, about two things, and it's kind of the same approach that I take. Is um, you know one, the first thing is, is you need to realize and have a good perspective on how much training you can f- you know physically be capable of, and how much you need to devote. Like not everybody has the capacity or needs to train 20 hours a week to do an Ironman. And, um, you know, you have to get that through to the guys. I'd rather my guys train 12 hours and then be quality hours rather than try and fit in 15 to 18 hours and just be tired and getting sick and injured all the time. And, you know, that's the first sort of side of it. And then the second side of it is kind of producing a schedule that's not unrealistic for them, something that they can maintain every single week and it's not going to cut into their family time, their work time and stuff like that. So don't be unrealistic about the time you can give. Sign up to something and then two weeks down the line say, I can't do this and feel really bad about it. You know, So it's getting it right from the start and then just having a good perspective about it all. I guess it also depends on what the goal is. If if the goal is just to go and finish an Ironman, the the training regime is very different to, to someone who's, who's possibly talking about winning their age group or, or qualifying for Kona. Yeah, and sometimes those things kind of work themselves out themselves. You know, you talk to some of the athletes and and they realize that and they know that they just want to finish, but they want to do it and they want to do it as well as they can and they want to feel good doing it. Um, You know, but we have a big range of, you know, uh, of athletes that we work with. You know, we've got the ones who work in Sydney City in the CBD in finance and can literally only train once a day and that's all they can do and you have to find a way to make that work. And then you've got the ones who can, you know, complete 20 hours a week and they've got all the time in the world. So um, you've just got to be adaptive and, and be realistic about what you can do. Awesome. Well, let's go back to, to your first Ironman. You've made the decision to, to do it. Uh, what, what surprised you about training for your first Ironman that you, you weren't really expecting? Um, I guess one of the, the biggest things I found was um, just how, uh, how hard it was going to be to commit to doing long training um you know i'd obviously come from a running background and even when i was training for the shorter triathlons you know doing a long run and a long ride and things like that were 
we're, we're not too bad when you're only racing for an hour or so, but when you, you know, you're doing an Ironman, you know, being able to commit the time and then physically and mentally go through doing the long rides and the long runs and longer swims week in and week out was really challenging for me physically and mentally. And yeah, that's the part that really surprised me. And I found the most difficult initially. Your first experience of, of finishing an Ironman, it was 2013. I think you did uh, Port Macquarie, if I'm if I'm correct. You ended up finishing third in your age group. You qualified on debut uh, for Kona. I mean, that's not a, a bad start to your Ironman career. Yeah, it was good. I mean, it was it was not on the radar initially. Like I, I said, I wanted to do it with some friends, and we were looking to do well. Like I, I'd committed to the training. Um, I wasn't really thinking about Kona, and then one of my good friends – qualified at melbourne earlier in the year and then everyone started geeing me up and saying oh you know we could turn this into a big trip and you've got to qualify now and so i kind of put a little bit of pressure on myself in that sense and um yeah i was quite lucky because you know it was i had a pretty good day but it it was a tough day you know I, i kind of did all the things that most people talk about doing wrong in their first ironman with nutrition with pacing and yeah, it was a really tough day, and yeah, I was I was lucky to get that kind of third spot in my age group to to get there. I love that. I think we all make those mistakes. Some of us make them more often uh, than than others. But uh, that first one, there, there's lots of lessons to be learned. What What are some of the biggest lessons you learnt out of that first one? Oh, the the number one, the biggest thing was pacing. You know, I I kind of I I didn't stick to my plan, so I'd had a swim and done all right. I went on the bike and did okay but lost a lot of position and coming off the bike you know my my friends and my coach were kind of telling me where I was and I knew I was a long way down on the top three in my age group and instead of sticking to my race plan of how I'd planned to run and being a runner I went off way too fast and yeah by the time I got to 25k I was in all sorts of trouble and uh yeah, it was a tough, tough back half of the marathon for sure. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> you, you talk about that first one not going there really with, with major aspirations. You you did get the qualifying spot. How how did you approach Kona? Did you go to Kona with with it being a case of, you know, world champs, I'm just going to go and soak up the atmosphere and, and enjoy it? Or did you go there harboring ambitions of, of, doing, of doing really well? Yeah, I kind of... It was really motivated after the first one and, and, and then going to Kona, I really thought, you know, like I've, I've done my first Ironman, but I, I've done so many things wrong and my preparation was my first one. I've got so much more to give physically and stuff like that, that, that I, was, I was really excited going to my first one. And, you know, I, th- I think even looking back now through all the other Ironmans I've done and the achievements I've kind of had, that, that first Kona I did, I trained too hard and did too much and i think that affected my overall result i think i was too cooked going in and um yeah that was that was a personal thing for me and i don't think i've trained that hard and that much since that one ironman well you you yeah i mean that's an interesting one too and, and we can dig into that too but the following year you ended up doing another two again port macquarie and you ended up going to Bustleton as well and and Bustleton's a, a pretty quick one uh it's I mean, it's it's pretty fast. It's it's flat. I mean, is is that the sort of course you love? I mean, just looking at at what you did there. I mean, an eight forty seven first in your age group, ninth overall. I mean, that course is 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 incredible. I mean, that time on that course is is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, after Kona um, and having a little bit of disappointment with where I finished, I was kind of 
you know, adamant to go back. Uh, but I, I spoke to my coach and my wife and said that we're not going to go back the next year. You know, I'd like to go and do another Ironman and have another year of training before I try it again. So I did Port Macquarie and then decided that Bustleton would be <clears throat> a nice time of year to go and do one in Australia because then we can kind of get it out of the way in December, do a different course and then enjoy Christmas and New Year and have that break. And hopefully I'd get a Kona spot and then have all the time the year after pre to prepare for for Kona 2015 so yeah going there and and racing in, in Bustleton was fantastic and it reminded me a lot of the reasons why I like the Port Macquarie race because it's got a beautiful swim out in, out in the ocean there it's a, it's a very clear and lovely swim it's a four loop run course so you get lots of support which is great um, I don't particularly like flat bike courses but um, it was just kind of something that me and my friends had had decided and decided we want to do something different didn't really fancy going to melbourne so yeah bustleton it was and yeah i ended up having a very very solid race and running through a lot of people and yeah managing to finish in the top 10 overall which was fantastic yeah and then and then went back to kona in in 2015 tell us about that experience second time around as opposed to first time around the lessons you learned uh, and how you sort of what you did differently on 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 race day at that uh, at that second uh, crack at kona yeah, well, so I mean, this was my fourth Ironman by then, so I'd kind of, you know, um, uh, I'd got to the point where I kind of knew my body a bit more, and I could, I figured out in training how how I could work to kind of get myself feeling good without, um, you know, uh, risking my health or injury and stuff as well. So going back to the cone of the 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 last time in 2015, I was super confident. I was I was very it was in very good shape. I'd raced in, in the Sunshine Coast four weeks before and won my age group and finished in the, in the uh, I think, 12th overall with all the pros as well. And, you know, I was in really good shape and I was very excited, you know, looking for a podium. And, again, I kind of just made some poor decisions in the race which affected my overall result and uh, was kind of disappointed in the end. Like, I finished a lot higher up than I did the first time um, but made different mistakes this time. <laughs> um so yeah, it was it was a very very different experience this time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a different day in terms of the weather conditions as well. Um, but yeah, really looking looking forward to hopefully trying it again another time and getting it right. Isn't that the frustrating thing about about Ironman? Is that it's 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 one thing if you make mistakes in a in a ten k or, or or a half marathon, you you get more opportunities to to fix them whereas an Ironman you don't an Ironman you there's just so many times in a year that you can physically put everything on the line and and go for it that if you 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 do make one or two mistakes it's 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 a long time before you get the opportunity to try and rectify and, and figure out what you did wrong yeah it's a big build it's a lot of money um a lot of time you invest in the training to get it right on one day. And then, you know, after that, you've got to recover and rebuild and give it another big amount of time before you do another one. So, yeah, people <clears throat> invest a lot into these races and it, it becomes a, a big thing for them. So, yeah, it, it, you definitely need to try and get things done on race day. But a lot of the time, you know, those, um, those little decisions can have big impact. Uh, and, yeah, it's tough. Wait, one thing I've picked up about your results is is even though you 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 did really well in your from your first one. I mean, you you you've obviously you're a gifted athlete and you've done well, but you've you've progressed and you've gotten better over over the years over the the time that you've been involved in the sport. 
it, it's very much, and getting good at this, is very much a patience thing. That very seldom does someone just burst on the scene, win everything in sight, and, and, and they don't progress. But if you really want to get better, it, it is a long-term project. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, and I think the the longer you race as well, um, the more that kind of comes into play. You've got to be very smart about what you do because, you know, most people come into triathlon maybe coming from or having some experience in one of the three events, you know. So you've got to learn two events. You've got to learn nutrition. You've got to learn strength and conditioning and then being able to manage all this um, through training and racing. And there, there's a lot of things to kind of consider. So, yeah, you've got to be patient. You've got, you've got to be smart. You've got to listen to the way you've done things and be prepared to kind of bite the bullet sometimes and say, look, this didn't work last time. I need to do things differently and change and, you know, let go of my ego a little bit and not worry about this rather than seeing the same people making the same mistakes all the time. It just doesn't seem very sensible. So yeah, you've got to be, you've got to be patient. And especially for me being a runner, um, you kind of have that in the Ironman because a lot of the time I'm waiting for the run all day and you, you've got to be sensible about what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Let, let's touch uh, briefly on, on your last race as we record this. You've just come off the uh, Ironman 70.3 World Champs on the Gold Coast. Not Nice to race in, in, a, in a big championship race like that in Australia, first of all. It must have been, must have been pretty cool having, having almost feeling like you're home. Yeah, it does now. I mean, I represent Australia because I'm a citizen here, and um, I went to Malulabar last year to do the the 70.3 there in preparation for Hawaii, and it's a fantastic part of the country and um, a beautiful location. And it was it was so exciting to do it this year. Not only because I was racing at home and it was a fairly easy trip, but there was so many Australians who had obviously qualified because they'd set themselves that goal to race at home. And so when we were up there, we got amazing support i was up there with lots of my friends and family and stuff so it was it was a fantastic event it was a great event but it was a good race for you too first in your age group uh, you're the 70.3 world champion how does that sound yeah it's amazing it's um it, again it was not something that was necessarily on my radar a little while back i was kind of looking i thought my first kind of podium at this sort of level might be in the iron man i was looking at hawaii and stuff but you know to burst onto the scene with with the win there was great because I think this distance of the 70.3 suits me a little better coming from that sort of running background, you know, working a bit higher intensity and stuff. Whereas I think I still lack a little bit of the strength and stuff required for Ironman. So, um, yeah, I was really pleased and it was a tough race. You know, it was, it was very close. You know, I, I only won by six seconds in the end and, one of my friends came in third, so it was it was a super super race in the end. Yeah, I mean, just you look at the front end of the field and the men's pro yeah. race, just a couple of seconds separating one and two. So it was it was an incredible race to to watch. Congratulations on that one as well for you. Let's take a, a step back for you now, and and if you could go back and 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 talk to yourself when you were starting out in triathlon again, just a, a handful of years ago, knowing what you know now about the sport and what you've done, what would you tell yourself? What advice would you give to yourself? Oh wow. Um, well, first thing I'd say is that I was really lucky that I, because I got connected with the triathlon club straight away, I had a lot of good advice and good people around me early on. So, um, and because I got into the coaching routine early on and was, you know, and I was coached and I'm still coached by Bruce Thomas, who, who started out with me. And, uh, you know, he's, he was seventh in the Hawaii Ironman in 1994 and he's just got this wealth of experience and, I had a lot of people around me helping me make good decisions, but I think the biggest thing I would 
I would kind of touch on is is to be patient and to kind of really invest your time in being smart about how you train and how you improve. And everybody wants things so quickly and wants to improve so quickly. A lot of the time, the focus of how best to do that goes out of the window. And yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time focusing on my weaker areas of the sport and my technique more than just working hard all the time. Brilliant. Well, we're going to dig into those sort of techniques and what you've done in, in the various disciplines, but we'll save that uh, for, for the next few episodes that we get you back on for. Thank you so much for your time once again. What's next on the cards? I mean, obviously, you're going to rest up a bit after, after 70.3 Worlds, but what's the, what's the next sort of long-term goal, and when are we going back to Kona? Yeah, well, um, I've got a 16-month-old son at the moment, and we've got another one on the way in February. So the idea is to, to do a few shorter races over over this period until uh, until we have our new baby. And, yeah, the idea is to go back to Bustleton at the end of next year and then go to Hawaii in 2018. And hopefully, um, being in this new age group I am, I might have a chance of, uh, yeah, getting on a podium there as well. Oh, it'll be brilliant. Wayne, thank you so much for your time today. Much appreciated. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Kona Edge. Don't forget to connect with us on social media. Simply search for The Kona Edge.